Morning. Welcome back to our another edition of our Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection and happy Wednesday. Hope that you're having a really good week and uh, looking forward to uh, meeting together tonight for Bible study. So I hope that you'll be able to join us for that. And uh, the text that we've been working our way through is the passage that we were looking at uh, this past Sunday um, after our cantata. And it's Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79. So let's all read it together, please. And uh, this, this morning when I read this, I'm going to emphasize a couple of pieces um, that are going to be the focus of our study this morning. Here's what it says. And his father Zecharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who hath visited and redeemed his people, who hath raised up an horn of salvation for us, and the house of his servant David. Next statement's important. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Don't miss that statement. Very important. That we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of them that hate us, to perform the mercy. Here's the next statement. Promised to our fathers. Very important statement. And to remember his holy covenant. And then in verse 73, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might be able to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Thou child shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Now, remember those statements that I highlighted. As he spake by the mouth of the prophets, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he sware to our father Abraham. This morning, what I want us to focus on is the fact that God's gracious work is the theme of the Old Testament. When we talk about the gospel, the gospel is not just a New Testament concept. This is something that we can, we can articulate from the Old Testament. It's something that Old Testament saints could have predicted. They understood it to some level, and they were trusting in the fact that God was going to send a savior. And so he says, he has raised up, verse 69, and horn of salvation, from uh, for us in the house of his servant David as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. When we look at the Old Testament, we see example after example after example of the fact that God promised a redeemer. And I can, I can highlight a couple of the most significant of those examples. The first example I'll mention is in Genesis 3. And we call it the Proto-Evangelium. The idea is it's the first mention of the good news, the gospel. We find that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Adam has just sinned. And as it says in Romans 5, by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And what does God do when he confronts Adam? He confronts him in his sin. He tells him of the consequence. And then he states, the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. And then after that time, we see that there is the institution of animal sacrifice. Now, what does that tell us? 
Well, that tells us that God promised that there would be a person who would come who was not described as the seed of the man, which is the, the typical way we would say this, but he was the seed of the woman. He's even predicting the unique nature of Christ, not just birth, but his conception. He's God in flesh, born of the Virgin Mary. And then he talks about what he's going to do. He's going to crush the serpent's head. And then we have pictured in the sacrificial system that this sacrifice is what establishes the basis for the crushing of the serpent's head. Or then we come to Genesis 22, and that's the story of Abraham uh, being commanded by God to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And he's willing to do it, believing that God could and would raise his son Isaac back to life if indeed he is in the position where he has to follow through with this command. And yet, when Isaac asks his father, I see the wood and I see the fire, but where's the lamb? He says to him, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. It's, it's, it's interesting how it's worded. And God did provide a lamb and he stopped Abraham from, from killing his son Isaac. It was not his intent or desire for Isaac to die. It was for a picture to be demonstrated that there would be a sacrifice that would be established to take the place of those who were under uh, under guilt. We then come to Exodus 12 and the story of the Passover. And the Passover lamb was something that, that God instituted so that the firstborn could escape death because the death angel would recognize that the blood of a lamb has been shed in the place of the firstborn, and so he could pass over. All of these are pictures that illustrate the nature of redemption. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament. But out of all the passages, the most prominent where the theme is redemption is Isaiah 53. And I actually already talked about those yesterday, um, two passages, uh, verses 10 and 11. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention them again in just a minute. But in Isaiah 53, we see the gospel just clearly laid out in the predictive sense. This is what is going to take place. And today we look back and say it has been accomplished. The first thing we see is in verse 4. Our sins are placed on Christ. They have been placed on Christ. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. In verses 5 and 6, we see that our punishment has been poured out on Christ. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him. With his stripes we are healed. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You can clearly see that there is a substitutionary atonement taking place that is being predicted in Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. And, and by the way, the, the, the Jewish people understood the concept of atonement because it was a part of their, regu their regular uh, yearly activities. When a person sinned, there was a sin offering. When we come to the Day of Atonement, they recognize that bl blood had to be sprinkled on the mercy seat for the, for the sins of the people to be atoned, and God can commune with his people. When they celebrate the Passover lamb, they recognize a lamb has died in the place of the firstborn, and they celebrate that. All of those are examples of them understanding substitution, death of a sacrifice, and the payment of blood removing guilt. The third example is that God's just wrath against our sin has been completely removed. Verse 11, he shall see the travail, the agony of his soul, and shall be satisfied. 
That's propitiation right there. That's God saying, enough. It is finished. I don't need more. You have paid in full the sin debt. And then he says, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So when we talk about the gospel, the gospel is not just a New Testament gospel, but it is the fulfillment of an Old Testament gospel, which we look back at. And so Abraham looked to see Christ's day and was glad in it. And we look back at Christ's day and we rejoice in it. The, 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 the cornerstone whom the chief builders have set aside, or the, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ who was rejected by the builders, he has become the chief cornerstone. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, let us be so, so very thankful for what Christ has done for us. And this is at the heart of the Christmas season. As Zechariah is talking about the purpose of John, his son, and what he will be doing, he talks about the fact that God's raised up a horn of salvation as he spoke by the mouth of his prophets. Hope that you have a wonderful morning, and Lord willing, tomorrow we'll continue this series. Bye now.